John Antonio. What's good? Hey, brother. How are you? Good. How are you, man? Not too bad, man. Just bumming it, slumming it up in Waterville, Maine, Central Maine, man. It's uh, a little different than... Yeah, I'm coaching. I'm coaching up at uh, Colby College. Um, Uh So it's been fun, but uh, definitely, honestly, it's, like, similar to Erie, but also, like, so different, dude. I... It's so funny is, like, I don't know. I feel like every single time I talk about Mercyhurst and, like, Erie, I'm always, like, I never go back. And then every time I talk to anyone, I'm, always, like, from there, I'm, like, dude, that was so much fun. <laughs> All right. Thank you, and welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. Um, on today's show, I have Casey Dowd. Casey was our volunteer assistant lacrosse coach at Mercyhurst. He's now the lacrosse coach at Colby College, a D3 school. And then he currently plays professional lacrosse. Uh, thank you, my fun. man. Yes, sir. So we'll we'll get right we'll get right into it. So um, you, before we get into like the how we met and like Mercyhurst and all that shit, um, you played college yeah, lacrosse been, at right Siena, outside correct? Albany, so um, Loudonville, New York, it's like a little tiny town. It was it was kind of weird because University of Albany is like right next to you, and you know basically you know maybe two or three miles away. Um, but Loudonville was like the super nice little town on the outskirts of Albany that uh, like you were like in a residential area, but it was an awesome, awesome time. Super small campus, you know, really close, a lot of, you know, Franciscan school, but it was, it was a blast. Now, when, what years were you there? 2011 and, uh, to 2014. So it's been all four years there um, and then finished uh, at, there. And then I just finished getting my master's. Um, at Thomas College, which is a small school up here in Waterville, Maine. Uh, just what education you, what do you right your now, and then I'm working on getting a MBA, um, hopefully started in the fall of next year. So one of the benefits of being at Colby is you know, free classes. So I had no idea what the heck I wanted to do. And I was like, you know, what? I could see myself as a teacher one day, maybe. So maybe I'll just go get in a you know, master's of education. So I got that to put at the end of my last name. It's kind of cool. <laughs> I think that's such a dope profession. And I was just telling Elijah, cause he's a social studies teacher in Virginia that like, uh, personally, I like, I think it's definitely a career that's underpaid and like, it's a selfless, it's a selfless career. And, um, just from like teachers and shit like that, that I've had, that's had an impact on me. I definitely think like from that perspective, it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, definitely like, like a sick you know, career like, to get you into. You know, coaching's it. really fun and stuff, but at the end of the day, right. Is, like you said, right. Is, you got to pay bills at some point and, you know, being on a lacrosse field is one thing you can like mm-hmm. learn life lessons. And I think that's where I've learned a lot of life lessons, but also too, is, you know, in the classroom where you're spending eight hours a day with kids or six hours a day, like you can like, you could teach people things that are going to matter and you know, hundreds of years or 20 years later. Like, I think that's where you're going to find the cream of the crop. And I think that's why it's so cool. So, and honestly, all the classes that I took really reflected coaching a ton. I mean, coaching is teaching at the end of the day. Right. So it's like, so the lessons that you learned in my master's class, I would take right back to my head coach here at, at Colby and be like, hey, like we can apply these same concepts and these kids are going to learn and understand and do things the way we want them to because it's the same concept. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. And I actually, uh, rest in peace, Kobe Bryant, but I saw a uh, podcast that he was on and he was talking about how he was telling his uh, his daughters that like, 
if you know what like excellence looks like in sports, you can translate that to any endeavor that you do in life, whether, you know, that's going into business, that's being a teacher, you be a doctor, because like, as you know, like to be good at a sport and then obviously compete at a high level, like there's a process to it, which includes like lifting, watching film, doing individual practice and all that stuff. And it's like, yeah, you might not be able to, as a teacher, you might not be able to, you know, watch film, but you might be able to have one-on-ones with like students, which one, you know, to get to know your student better and, you know, be able to educate that student in a better fashion and stuff. So it's like, it's similar. Um, it's not completely similar, yeah, but like you get what I'm saying. Like, like, think about it, right? it's like, like a, you know test, what it's... a tester quiz really mm-hmm. is game day, right? Is like, that's where you show what you've learned and what you've done. And, and all the assignments before that is like built that build up and that, that practice. So it's, it's the same thing. And I think all that is very, very similar. And that's why I think too, you see a lot of, you know, division three or lower end, um, you know, schools, NAIA or MCLA schools, usually I'm going to, I'm going to assume, and, 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 you know, I don't know this for a fact, but I'm going to assume that a lot of those coaches or, or guys that are in that profession probably have been teachers at some point because it's, again, it's identical. It's just in a different realm, right? Is my space is lacrosse rather than education. But at the end of the day, it's still, I'm educating people on lacrosse. Absolutely. And I kind of like catch myself doing that, like uh, for, with, with doing real estate and like being a realtor. Uh, when I work with like first time home buyers, I have no idea what to do. No idea like what getting pre-approved even means or any of that shit. It's just like I catch myself like just everything I've learned, I'm educating them on so that they understand the process of, you know, how everything works and stuff. And then on top of it, too, which like I'd like you to comment on is like, I definitely think that like sports is like the greatest metaphor in life because one, like you have to learn how to work with people. You have to learn how to, you know, be patient, wait your turn, especially like if you're not playing right away and you are good. Cause I tell people like not people, but like I've taught, had conversations with a couple of the boys at Mercyhurst and I'm like, yo, it's kind of crazy. Cause like, and you can contest to this is that like at the D one level, like you have kids that don't even touch the field that were like all Americans in high school. So like, to get kids like I mean I wasn't an all-American but um but you know I was all conference and like stuff like that but to get to to get a kid that his whole not his whole life but you know leading up until college is always getting the praise of like Mm -hmm. being the best player or one of the best players and then you know you're getting recruits and you're kind of taking that path less traveled compared to like most kids because not a lot of kids play at the d1 level um and then to get there and be like Oh, hey, yeah, guess what? There's also five guys in front of you that were this, have the same accolades, same stats, same everything, um, and they're older than you, and they played in the system before. That, like, is definitely, like, from the mental aspect, like, in handling adversity and shit like that. Like, that's definitely I, something that I, you know, genuinely believe that unless you play sports and, like, you have been exposed to that type of stuff, it's hard to not be an athlete and then just – face adversity in life and be like, okay, I don't know. Like, how do I handle this? Cause you know, and, you don't necessarily have anything do, to draw which I think is, from- I, and, and which, which that is a great lesson, but the, the biggest one, I think, and I think, you know, like everyone talks about, you know, Gen Z and like how, you know, we're one, we're not in that generation, but like the kids that we have now or, um, you know, or Gen Y, whatever you want to call it is um, you can do all that. You can be that all American and you can totally fail. Right. Is like, you can go to a school and be the All-American and, you know, supposed to be the best, you know, the, the poster boy, and you could never sniff the field. Like, like I always talk about it like this, right, is, um, you know, it, it works in opposite ways. I went to Siena, and I was a preferred walk-on 
right? They, they basically took me because I said it would come. Um, I don't think that they planned on having me ever play more as a practice player. Um, but, you know, the one guy transferred out. He went to go play football, Division three football. One guy was a backup attackman or attackman at Siena and converted to a faceoff guy when he got there. And he was good. Um, you know, he wasn't like a number one guy. Like, he wasn't like a guy that took every faceoff. And then all of a sudden, like, I show up. You know, I'm a super overweight kid from – Madison, Connecticut, that, you know, our conference was pretty crappy, but like I did really well in it. And I started working my butt off and like earned a spot. And then all of a sudden I was like, all right, I, I kept my spot and kept working. And all this buildup through my college career was, you know, you know, everyone telling me how good I was and how, how, you know, you have a great future ahead of you and all this stuff. And then I got to the pros, dude, my first practice, I went against this guy, John Order, vision three lacrosse player from Endicott college. And John uh, and John Poppleton, and and I did not win a single faceoff, like at all. I got my ass chewed out, and I was like, I hit a brick wall, and I was like, oh my god, like this is the end of my career. Like I'm I'm never getting past this. I'm not good enough. Like all this stuff, right? Is like you have all this self doubt, and and you are like, am I really that good? Am I worth it? All this stuff. And I remember being like, I I hit the peak of what I'll ever become in lacrosse. And that was like a super high because I finally got there, right? Mm-hmm. I finally got to the pros. But then too, it was a super low of realizing like, you know, this is this is it. Like I don't, uh, I'm not good enough to be here. It was like one of the most humbling things ever. And I think that's one of those things that you learn in sports. Like, you know, you could work your ass off to get to the top and never get there. And you have to be fine with that because there's going to be guys that are in the opposite direction. And two is that, you know, you're never going to know if you can get there until you put all that work in. Oh, without a doubt. And I mean, I mean, you, like I said, you coached me, so you can contest to this. But like um, when I got to Mercyhurst, I, I mean, not Mercyhurst, when I originally got to Hobart, I went through the exact same thing. Like I was like, all right, like I'm, you know, playing D1 and, and stuff like that. And everyone was just as big as me, if not, and like just as fast, just as strong and like all that stuff. And then like not playing right away. And then you're not used to at least playing on a team where every single person whether it's the kids that never sniff the field or anything are still like yeah they go to a d2 or d3 school they're gonna ball out like so everyone is good and it's just like you don't ever think like i was talking to mike about this um is that you don't ever it never once crosses your mind when you're that young and like you're in college and shit is that it's like oh regardless if i'm not getting my time right now like i do belong here because the coach isn't gonna waste his time recruiting me like you don't even think about that you just think like fuck man like maybe this isn't for me. Like, maybe, maybe this isn't for me. Like I'm not and like the other thing is too, is like coaches, like, and I don't know what you think about this, but like, I, like me and Mike were talking about it. And I told him, I'm like, dude, like college sports are not like, they're not meant to be fun. Like you're not, yes, you can have fun and they are fun, but like the over it's a business, like you're, it's the next man up mentality. If you can't do the job, they're just going to find someone else. Like there's no, it's like, there's no love loss. It's just like, look, we got a job to perform. I brought you in because I think you can fit the piece of the puzzle. And if you can't, then see ya. There's thousands of other kids that would, would kill to have the opportunity that you have. So it's like, it's extremely cutthroat, extremely competitive, but it's also at the same time, like it's a business. And it's just like, I don't think that a lot of kids that are, you know, going into that are leaving high school, going into college, like that's something that like they're, I don't want to say educated on, but that's not something that they're necessarily like put onto or aware of. And like, I think like, 
you know, Mike had yeah. that experience at Mercier's, you had that experience at Siena, and then like I had it at Hobart. Like it's it's something that we <clears throat> we I all think, go through, think, but it's not something. Yeah, we're like I think people for. like need to or kids or whatever you want to say, like people in general, right? Is is it's not but but again we're all also talking to sorry to like backtrack there, but we're also too talking about division one, division two, and even you know, Colby is you know, is is statistically the best lacrosse conference in division three lacrosse right so we're talking about three really successful and and places that want to win right so like you know if if you're i agree with everything you're saying at the same time right is i get paid by the school to win lacrosse games right it's the same thing as you as a realtor you get paid to sell houses and you're going to make more depending on how many houses you sell i'm not going to get paid more for how many games i win but i can lose my job if i don't win enough or if i don't bring in the right people so I think it is cutthroat and I think it changes in division one and two where there's monies involved, right? The difference really between division three and that's what I really like about Colby or, or just division three in general is there's no, I don't, I can't offer you any money. Right. So like, there's no financial or you could apply for financial aid, but that's out of my hands. Like mm-hmm. I'm getting the best kids that want to be at this school for, for the school, but also for lacrosse. So like my deck is kind of stacked where I am. Whereas, you know, I think that's one thing that as college athletes or high school athletes that they need to do better job of doing is, you know, when you, when I committed to Siena is I want, you know, have fun, of course, like every college student have fun and do all this stuff. But I also wanted to go there to win. And I think, you know, that, that part is right. That's the humble pie of, you know, you can go there and you can not play at all and work your ass off and never sniff the field. And if that's not fun for you, that might not be fun for you, but it might be a blast for me. And I always bring this, like, when I talk about this, as I always talk about my brother, right, as I went to Siena, I was looking at some bigger schools, right, is, you know, stuff from Hopkins and Rutgers and Stony Brook and Notre Dame. And, you know, I, I was dead set on going to the Navy, um, the Naval Academy for a long time. And, you know, some big programs, right, is for lacrosse. And, um, you know, Siena is probably the smallest school that I actually looked at. Um, but I really wanted to be a big fish in a small pond. I thought during the recruiting process, I thought, you know, all right, like I can go to this school and maybe I won't play my freshman year, but I think I could probably play my sophomore year and probably be a player or a starter by my junior year. And where, whereas I looked at these, some of these bigger schools where, you know, I would be one of seven faceoff guys or one of six faceoff guys, and they already have a freshman that they plan is going to start until their, their senior year or my senior year. And, do I really want to, you know, go to school where there's six other guys fighting for that same spot, which is kind of like, you know, I don't want to say lazy, but um, also too is like, you know, I, I love competition. So looking back is you know, I'd have loved to go to one of those schools, but at the same time, I, I love Siena as well. Um, but really pushing yourself to like really go after it and, you know, go win a game, right? Go push yourself to be the best and, and competition breeds success. Um, but at the same time, yes, like I, I understand what you're saying of, you know, that is, and it is, right? It's, again, I get paid by the school. I'm not a fundraised position. It's not like kids paying for me to coach them. Um, the school is paying me to coach and bring students here. So it is a business at the end of the day, unfortunately. But at the same time, too, is, you know, if I, I tell kids all the time when I recruit them, if I'm making lacrosse not fun for you, then I'm not good at my job and I need to change jobs. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, no, absolutely. Because like at at Hobart, we had my freshman year, we had TW and it was a completely different coaching staff. And then my sophomore year, we brought in uh, we brought in P. Poyan, who played in the league. And then he was an All-American at UMBC. Uh, he was our offensive coach. And then we had uh, we had a uh, great we got had yeah. I think his first name was Greg. I'll, I'll just say Coach Hurst in case I get it wrong. But Coach Hurst, he came over from uh, he came over from Princeton, and that or no, he played at Princeton. And then uh, Greg Raymond, who was the head coach for us, he won a yeah. he won a title at Hopkins with uh, Kyle Harrison and them. And then he he coached at Princeton, and then he brought Hirsch over. Hirsch was one of his players at Princeton, um, and it was just like a, a night and day difference between like the coaching staffs, like because. Like it was for the first time, like that was like the first time I would say, and like, this is no knock against like the original coaches that were at Hobart, but like, it was the first time that like, it was, I felt as though like we were getting a little, little glimpse Mm -hmm. of like how those programs like Hopkins and Princeton were actually run because like there was a purpose to everything. It was intensity. It was intense 24 seven. And it was like, I, I was talking about on one of the episodes I did today that like, Poyan was so fucking hard on me, but he wasn't hard on me because he didn't like me. He was hard on me because he's like, yo, I see what you could be and I want to fucking win. So I'm mixing both of those together with how I coach you, but it's not like I'm getting after you to just be an asshole. Like I I see the potential you possess. So I'm going to try to get you to that potential. And then on top of it, like we, I want to win games. So if you're dropping balls in practice or if guys yeah. are showing and, up late, like you're building a bad culture. Too, and that's not like going on games. that of like changing coaching staffs and things like that is, um, you know, I think a staff needs to be really balanced in the attitudes and attributes that you bring. Right. Is, you know, like at Mercier's when I was your coach, like, and I mean, I don't think I need to like sugarcoat it. Right. Is I was like the biggest players coach ever because one in reality, I was, basically your age so I was hanging out and I related the most to you guys rather than the rest of the coaches which is not a bad thing at all right because when there was a problem um, I felt pretty confident that you guys would be able to come to me and talk to me and I'd be like you know kind of the middleman between bigger issues or smaller issues and things like that and as we started working through a season right is like you know trusting what we're doing on the field or trusting what we're saying in the locker room or how we're acting like I was able to kind of be that middleman. And I think that's one thing that I do here at Colby as well, which I love the guys all the time. Like they want to know something about me. I tell them right away. Like I don't sugarcoat anything. I tell them how it is. I tell them what, what my experiences were like. And I think that kind of opens the door for like allowing them to be like more familiar and more friendly with me. Right. Is I want to be as close to our guys as possible while still keeping a barrier of, you know, I'm your coach, not your friend. Um, but as soon as we step off the field, being able to be like, Hey, you know, like hang out and things like that. It's, it's, it's a thing is I want people, I want guys after they graduate to want to have a beer with me, right. Is like, be a good guy, have a good talk, you know, be friends. I think that's a super important thing. And, and I love that I've been able to every staff I've been on so far, kind of be that guy. Yeah. Like I definitely remember there was times where like we would, uh, not not consistently, but like there'd be times where like you know that like we'd get ourselves in like shit some way somehow, and then there'd be times where you're like, yeah, you got like you guys got to tell coach, and then there's other times where like you're like, all right, like you yeah, guys can handle yeah. that on your and own. And that like, middleman no too, right? Is like it the coach gives you that involved. perfect buffer um, of you know, like you guys aren't going to be annoying a head coach, and I'm you know I I would be fine with taking a couple punches for you guys so that you guys didn't get screwed over or something that really wasn't that big of a deal became a bigger deal you know what i mean 
Mm-hmm. Now, like one thing that uh, I like looking back on, like, you know, how I was in lacrosse and shit like that. Like one thing I definitely like, I mean, you coached me, so you, you would probably like understand where I'm going with this is that like, once I transferred to Mercyhurst, my initial thought was like, all right, they're a top 10 school. Like we have a chance to compete for a national championship every year. Like Mercyhurst is consistently in the top 10 and always in that position too. But like my thing was like after the first practice I had, like no knock against any of the guys or anything like that. Cause like I said to Mike, like you're yeah. not going to be able to play lacrosse at Mercyhurst if you're not actually good at lacrosse. Like like coach, coach Ryan is too good of a coach and too successful of a coach. Like he, he won a national championship and he's been back there. So it's just like, he's not going to waste his time recruiting kids that actually have no business playing like everyone on that squad could have, could have played D1, you know, determine like how many kids could have played at UNC or Duke. I don't know, but definitely every kid could have played at like a lower tier to mid-level D1. Um, and like, my thing is that like, when I got to Mercyhurst, I thought that, that the talent level and like mm-hmm. the, the, the speed of the game was such a drop off. Again, no knock. Like you're talking, a, you're talking like D1 versus D2. Like there's a reason there's a difference in the levels that like, there probably was times where you were coaching me where you get frustrated with me because like my yeah. mindset was like, yeah. fuck, I can and, just coast 24 seven. And yeah, I know I mean, I'm still going to play. There's, there's, there's going to be differences, right. Is like, you know, for example, we have a kid that transferred to Colby um, right now and from a division one school. And, you know, he's one of, if not the best player on our field. Um, we've also had guys that have come here though. And like same kind of attitude or mindset and because they're post mode, right. Is like, you get blown by because you're like, ah, well, like, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine. So like, I think, I think really the biggest difference between the divisions, right. Is one is going to be skill and speed, like you said. Um, But two really is like the commitment level of the, the, the other stuff, right. Of the intangibles and like the toughness, like one of, and, and, Mm -hmm. you know, we talked about it before we started recording here, right. Is like the one thing that I love, about Mercier's University lacrosse players was how tough those guys were and how tough you guys, you guys lived tough, right? Is, you know, you know, waking up early to make sure that you got after it if you had a rough night. You know, if we played poorly, the gym would be packed the next day and guys would be asking for extra reps. Um, you, know, uh, you know, getting after in practice to the point where we're blowing whistles and pulling each guys off of each other, like, it was just a blue collar mentality that was so contagious that if you weren't a part of that, it was like a, it was like a cult, right? Is if you were not a part of that, then you got out of there because you, you did not belong. And that is like the core. And that is the culture that's been built around Mercier's and which has made it one of the most successful division two schools, right? Is like, it is, if you're not about that, then you can't last. No. Yeah. And I don't even like, I don't even mean to laugh when you say that, but it's just like, it's so true because like, and that's one thing I think coach Ryan did a fucking hell of a job doing like with building the program at Mercier's is that like, you, you can't really look at, at least in my opinion, I don't know any guy that was on the team that you look at and you're just like, all right, they're not like, they don't belong because it was like, like when Mike was on and Mike was saying that like he wasn't playing and he knew he probably wasn't going to play because of just like how competitive it was and like how, like, you know, like, how good like some of the guys that were in front of him were he was just like all right well look at I'm gonna be the energy guy that you know when when I'm not playing I'm gonna get all the guys fired up and like I'm gonna still bust my fucking ass make sure I'm doing the list make sure I'm doing a run and like how you say it's a cult like I've never heard anyone else say that but I say that all the time to like friends of mine I'm just like 
if you've ever like came like experienced Mercyhurst or like been in Erie or like been around not just like lacrosse guys but like anyone at that school it almost feels like a cult because like everyone fucks with everyone and like there's so many like blue collar people there that like understand one another that like it's just like we're down to have a good time but we're also down to fucking get after it whether that's like in the weight room whether we're at the bar like it's and just i think that like you know i always talk on, about like, the same to, page to about, like kids i coach and stuff is like kyr right know your role know your role and i think what mercyhurst does is build you know that uh-huh. they build your role to to the same thing right it's a machine right is one of the examples that i could think of right off the top of my head was a guy like dom perna right it's like dom perna my my first my year at colby like he was like a fifth or sixth attack man like got in but he wasn't like the guy and then all of a sudden like you know I talked to Coach O'Hagan Coach O'Hagan's one of my best friends still and he's like dude Dom Pern is like dominating like he's one of our top guys like he's doing unbelievable and it's like like you know his first year that was not the case at all but like the machine just keeps cranking right and as one class leaves those guys that were in that class goes up and moves up into a new role like it just that, like Mercyhurst is a machine in that sense. And I mean, all the credit in the world to coach Ryan and coach O'Hagan, because they just, they figured out what works there and they continue to produce top 10 teams in the country. Right. It's, there's no mistake that they're there. Yeah. And it's like, I never thought about it like that either, because like when I transferred in, like, obviously like I, I, I would say that I'm pretty like a, like a pretty humble guy, but like, I never, it never once crossed my mind that like, okay, I'm transferring from, you know, a top 25 D one school, I'm coming into a top 10 D school. Like I, you know, I can play with both my left hand and right hand and, and I can, you know, play all over the field and shit like that. It was never like, I'm going to be the guy like it, like coach Ryan from day one was just like, yo, like when you get in, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to play you. We're, we'll probably throw you on the second line, maybe, maybe first, but like at the end of the day, like you got to earn it between your teammates and like, like how you said, like you knew your role, like, I never once thought that like the ball always needed to be with me. Like I was always just like, I'm the third, maybe fourth option because Crow and Plasky were the first two options and deservingly so, cause they, you know, they were both ballers, but like, and then, and even on that, like you had Keenan at attack, you had, you had Derek and let's like, there was never like, like everyone had their own ego in the sense of like, everyone wanted to win and no one wanted to like lose, but it was never like, it, like everyone knew who deserved to have the ball in their stick. And it was always like Crow, Derek, Plasky, something like that. And there was no, never no like animosity amongst it. It was all just like, yo, like we're all just trying to win. We're tr- trying to have fun. And then as soon as practice yeah. or games are over, it's earned, we're just all given, trying to be right? boys That's and fucking get after it's, it's it at, all earned, at the bars. Given. And it like, was just like, like just be, and I just think that like you were a transfer. It doesn't mean it's like, you know, it's yeah. like, you know, everyone jokes around about Canadian dudes, right? You get like, we, you know, we have one kid that's from upstate New York. He's from Buffalo, and everyone thinks he's like a box guy, right? They're like, oh, he's got unbelievable hands. And they give him, they they gave him this, this, you know, uh-huh. oh, you're the, you're our box guy. You've got great hands and all this stuff. I was like, no way. There could be a kid from Florida that's got better hands. Like, you have to earn the fact that you have good hands. Just because you're from that area or you're a Division One kid or you're, you know, X, Y, and Z doesn't mean that you just get to slip into this role. Like, earn you know earn your way there like you're not just going to be given anything and again it comes down to the stuff that we're talking about about just life in general right it's like you're not going to be handed anything no and like it's funny too because like as we're having this conversation i'm just like looking back like thinking about some of the guys and it's and it's like like uh shane and marco were both captains um i want to say like the year that you were there correct 
Yeah. And Shane and Marco, mm-hmm. like they are two, two of like the, the greatest guys I've ever met, but like they were never like vocal in the sense of like, um, you got to fucking do this. You got to fucking do that. Like they never were those type of guys as captains, but they were like, as you know, it was always like the guys that were the guys like on defense, you had like Poe, Greg, Marco, Shane. And then like on offense, you had like Crow, Plasky, or even like, even in Ben Brooks on defense too. Like the guys that were like looked at as the leaders, they never were barking. They didn't like, have to follow me. Um, you know what I mean? Like trying to pump up the guys. Exactly. It was just like, they would just do it. No, they would just do it with their play and like their example. Like I know, like Marco, Sh- Marco, Shane, Ben, uh, Greg, Crow. Like they fucking yeah. I know you know this because you would be at our lips. Like they were the dudes that like if you were working out with any of those guys, you were like, yo, I need to step up my game because like and they wouldn't they wouldn't make it. They wouldn't vocalize it. Like they'd be laughing and fucking around with you, but like how hard all those dudes work, you would just be like, fuck. Like I need to I need to up my game, and it was kind of like we were all playing like a, almost like a, a one up with each other, but it was like a no ego. It was just like, like you talked about before we even got on here. Like you were saying that like that culture of like blue collar and just everyone like looking at each other as an example of like, okay, who's going to, who's going to raise the bar because if yeah, you raise yeah, the bar, and, then and I'm going to raise the bar. Raise, it's just like, like the whole thing is like, keep, keep um, pushing, you know, like challenging each other and how competition breeds success. I mean, it's, it's so, so true in anything that you do is like, you know, one guy puts 225 on the bar, right? The next guy is going to put 235 and be like, Hey, I, I beat you. Right. And, and it's only going to raise the level of competition and, and training and, and whatever it is in life that you're doing. Um, it's only going to raise that. And, and for some people that excites them and for others, it doesn't. And like the people that it excites, those people are going to get better. They're going to make more money. They're going to be more successful, right? The people that get scared and kind of like, ah, like whatever, like I'll back out. Those are the people that quit all the stuff, right? Is is like, you you should be excited when people challenge you, right? Is because that it's a challenge. It's a one-on-one thing. That's, you know, I always bring it back to facing off just because it's, you know, what I do is like, everyone talks about a face-off as a three-on-three battle, all this stuff. Dude, that is like a one-on-one wrestling match with two guys on either side of you helping out sometimes. Like, it is like, it is I am better than you or you are better than me, right? There's no stat that hides that. Your percentage is how many wins versus how many losses. Like, it's it's cookie cutter. A hundred percent. And like, it's funny because you, you just said like wrestling and I was going to bring this up, but like, and you know, we can kind of go into that next because we were touching on a little bit of it before we actually started recording that um, you like, you weren't on the team yet. Like this was the first, or you weren't coaching w- with us yet, but like, this is like the, the first semester I transferred in. Yeah. Like, we got those like massive, like sleeper buses to drive down to Tampa for when we were playing Tampa and Florida Southern. And we, because uh, we had to be on the bus, I believe, like super late at night, and we drove through the night, I believe. Um, and it was funny because it was like, like Marco, uh, Marco, Shane, uh, Matt Wells, Tyler Megan, like their house, um, their house. We were all. It was like me, and I want to say maybe Derek Richards was there too. I'm not sure exactly what guys were, but I know like it was 100% like Marco Shane, mm-hmm. Joe Gravino, like those dudes who, you know, top to bottom just straight beauties, but we we before we were going to get on the bus like we were just like hanging out and fucking around and next thing you know like we're in megan's room and we're doing <laughs> yeah, like a wrestling match between who who could who's king of the castle out of all of us and then like we're hopping on the bus and playing and it's just like funny because it was just like 
no matter what we did, like there was just competition between all of us at all times, whether it's just like challenging someone to like a drinking contest or like seeing, you know, you know, who's getting the rowdiest this weekend or, you know, whether it's the weight room or anything, it was just like between all of us, there was like that common, like, and I don't even think like we did it in a way that was like purposely trying to yeah. make competition 24 seven. It was just yeah, like, I mean, just, you know, I mean, like, and you see it firsthand, like, it was in, just like that 24 like seven amongst all. I'm like the most competitive person I know is like, you know, if you're playing checkers with me, I'm going to try to kill you. Right. Is like, it's just like, I think it's like that athlete mentality that you just like, you have like people have, or you don't have of like, you don't want to lose or be second at anything. Right. Is your entire life. You've been told be the best, right. Be the first be do whatever. And like, you know, in anything you do is like you, you don't want to mm-hmm. give up in one sense just because, you know, it's a game of checkers is like, fuck no, I, I still want to win. I, I Losers lose winners win. Yeah. And it's funny. Cause like, it's even like, you know, like I grew up with Megan and uh, he's like one of my best friends, but it's funny because like, we'll be fucking around, like chirping each other sometimes. And he brings up like the one practice and I'm not sure if you were there yet, but like he bodied my ass and blew me up twice in literally the same sequence. Like Matt, like Wells threw an outlet to like over by the sideline, we were doing clears and I didn't see Megan and he came out of nowhere and flattened me. And then the next time he slid to me and flattened me, and, like, as, like, the play's still going on, as we're running down the field, he's running down the field side by side, just jawing, like, that's right, bitch, like, da da And then I'm sitting there getting yelled at by Coach Ryan because I'm, like, saying shit to him I probably shouldn't say and I'm not going to say on this podcast. And I'm just like, bro, yeah. you don't even fucking play. Like, how would you, you know, hit the wall or, like, anything like that? And it was yeah. just like – Yeah, But then no, as soon as we walk off the, the field, it was, like, no hard feelings. It's just like, all right, what are we doing? It was so hard <laughs> and, like – hate each other for the hour and a half to two hour practice that we had and then immediately after be like hanging off of each other it was so funny uh, yeah that yeah. was my now like what was that, your that was my first uh, like, was job coaching at school, Mercy, and it was experience? like it's always so funny coach? i was you know i was a volunteer so i didn't make that much money at all if any so like you know i lived i lived like a less than a quarter mile like probably like 300 or 400 uh-huh. yards away from the campus i walked to work every single day but like my paycheck at the end of the month was 473 bucks, 400 went to rent and 73 bucks was for everything else. So hopefully anyone from Mercy Earth that's listening to this, all the freshmen in that class aren't like ripping me apart, but I would literally ask every single one of them for a swipe like every day. Right. Cause like you freshmen had unlimited swipes. So I would like reach out to all the freshmen and just be like, Hey, you got to get to the, 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 the cafeteria. I need to eat. And every breakfast and every dinner, I would try to get a meal from one of those guys. And it was like getting by the biggest joke, right? Is like, I lost a ton of weight when I was working there. And like, I, I was training for lacrosse. So like that added to it as well. But um, the biggest joke that like we all had was, you know, I was just starving myself because I didn't have anything to eat. I was so broke, but again, like being the brokest I've ever been and, you know, being in the middle of nowhere, it was like one of the best years and most fun years Yeah, and like to elaborate on that, like there was yeah, exactly. Time where we walked on practice, and like uh, you would ask, be like, "Yo, where are you guys going?" And we'd be like, "Ah, we're like ah going to the Laker," and we're you're just like, "Oh, like do they get swipes?" And we're like, "No, you gotta pay. Like you either get like money on your card or like yeah, or they would use swipes, but the swipes at the Laker were like I think like two, two, three swipes it would use. Um, 
And like you couldn't, there's no way you could eat at the Laker every single day. Otherwise you would need to keep loading money on your card and shit. But like there, I remember yeah. the one time, like we were walking out and you're just like, Oh, okay. never mind. We're like, what do you mean? never mind. Like come eat with us. Yeah. It's like, Oh, and like you described like, yo, I can't, I ain't got money. We're all just like, yo, shut your fucking mouth. Like, come on. And it was like, that's the thing that I love the most about like being at that school and like playing with those guys, which like, like I told you before we started recording, like we still have snap group chats and we still text each other oh, yeah. like, all the time. And like, like um hang out with each other like when we can like obviously covid like fucked that up but like it was never like yeah and i think it was like, like that was everyone like one was of the boys with everyone. Could have happened and it was like no man left behind because like you know i'd never been that far away from home i never had a coaching job or anything like that it was like it was so cool to be in a random place in the country with basically you know 30 guys that were my age is like you know my convery like you know, I, I like was pretty close with him and Eli and you and, you know, uh, you know, Colin Brady, like I still Snapchat once in a while, man, like all these dudes, like they were all my age. So like you guys are all growing up as I was growing up and I had my first job. So it was like, you know, as much as I was a coach, it was like more, it was more rewarding being there because I had so many friends from there, you know, other than just like lacrosse, lacrosse, lacrosse. It was it's pretty cool. It's like cool to see like where everyone's going and stuff and like where they're going in their life now too. <laughs> yeah. I remember when like we were trying to get you out, like we were trying to get you yeah. to come, like party with us and we were just like, yo, yeah. I, like I, I'm your age, but I'm also your coach. Like I can't just be partying with you guys. And, <clears throat> and I remember we were at, I forget whose house we were at, but like you came over for, a Sunday when we were all together watching like the football games. And like, that's the thing too, is like, we were together, we were all together 24 seven. Like it was never like, it wasn't like as soon as practice was over, like that was the end of it. Like we were on Sundays, we were all either at the stone or like we were all together watching like football games and having parties. And I remember you came, I think it might've been Crow's house, but you showed up at Crow's house and you saw like how out of control we were being on like a Sunday. And you're just I was, like, yo, like, I was walking. <laughs> I love yeah, you guys, but I, I, I can't be like, I can't be, I can't be here. Like I'm not, like, I'm not trying like, to get like, lose my job. Like it was yesterday. I was walking home and I didn't know where you guys or, or where Crow or any of those guys had lived yet. So I was like walking home and one of you guys saw me and I was like, Oh shit, here we go. And you guys are like, come over, come over. And I was like, Oh, I'll just like, like say what's up whatever and i saw like <laughs> one how disgusting that goddamn house was and then two like you guys just being insane you guys had the pool in the backyard set up and like people were like rolling all i was like yeah i'm i'm gonna leave here <laughs> yep <laughs> yo they yeah it was uh i think it was uh enright i think it was enright uh shane and marco that it was like i think they were the ones that had the idea yeah. and then we ended up doing it at crow's house we got one of those like inflatable massive fucking pools from like walmart yeah, i was and like, then we're oh, just like yeah we're gonna have like a we're just go. gonna have a day drink and have like a pool party <laughs> and we're just in and then i remember like you were like all right well you know I'll at least like i could you know yeah. i could snapchat with you guys and stuff like that and i remember i sent you a snap when we were at uh ben's house and it was like Ben and Derek at like two in the morning, just yelling back and forth at each other and like not wrestling yeah. each other, but like about to throw hands with each other in like a, a brotherly love type way, not like anything serious. And you like messaged me right away and you're just like, bro, what the fuck? You're like, you guys have no off switch. Like, how do you guys like, how are you guys able to go to school here? There's mayhem. It was, be it was successful something that I'd never the classroom seen before. And I mean, then it was just like, like none of this makes Montana, sense. And like we could get after it and, and you know, 
wake up the next morning and go. But like, you guys brought that to a whole new level, brother. <laughs> it's funny too, because like I don't even like talking about it because like when I do, no Mercy one believes. Is, Everyone or, just thinks I'm like, oh, Mercy okay, is, he's hyping up stories Erie, to make it seem like it was that real, but something like, in the water, or like it was that cool. Was but great. it was one of the strangest, but also one of the most fun places I've ever been in my life. Yeah. Yeah, we all have a joke. And it's yeah, like, it was uh, just like all the weird city in things the world. and people. Like, we say it as a joke, but like you know why we're there. saying Like it was just, you know, like, I don't know. Like I, I, I will forever for the rest of my life know what the Cornerstone is. Like, you know, or have stories about that place. Like, or the strip downtown by the water. Like, you know, it was just like, it was one of those <laughs> things that are places that, you know, there really wasn't anything that like stuck out as like this gorgeous or unbelievable, you know, store or restaurant or, or bar or anything like that. But um, it was just fun. Like every, the people made it really fun, I guess is what I should say. Absolutely. And it's, and it's funny too, because yeah. like I've had buddies, I've had buddies come visit me from like, you know, like childhood friends from high school and shit. And then I've had like a couple of my, okay. I've had a couple of my boys from Hobart come visit and, and then even like Brady, he's had his buddies from Ohio State. And just like, it's funny because anyone that like comes and visits for a weekend, like even the kid that I lived in Denver with recently, like mm-hmm. he came to visit um, and we weren't even friends at the time because he was friends with a kid that lived like down the street from us. And he, Dude, they want to go back. Everyone that's not, everyone that never went to Mercier's, but it's been there for like a weekend to visit. They all yeah. say, they all say the same thing. They're just like, yo, that like what the fuck is that place like that place isn't real and like they all say that like when you step once you're in erie it's like something there's like something that takes yeah. takes, uh, like, it was, takes over you and like so you don't fun. even know I mean, like, like that was like why you're acting and being so fucking crazy of, like coaching and just life ever it was just so different that's why i think it was so cool it was just so different yeah and dom perna says it i heard dom perna say it once when we were hanging out yeah Greenways, yeah it, that it, is, it's so true that but he says true. that like erie doesn't make sense it's literally lawless land And on top of it, like, there's so many personalities. Yeah. Like, there's not, like, too, that it was like really everyone cool. is it's different like and, like, school, like, a character because of in the location way. of the school then also, too, like, the demographic of it was, like, a lot of you guys had already played together or knew each other before. So, like, getting there, it was, like, you, it was basically you hang out with your friends from, like, high school across or, like, club across for four more years and now you're living with them. Like, it was, like, a really cool dynamic. Yeah, because me, uh, me, Megan, and me, Megan, uh, or how about this? Marco, yeah. Misterman, Megan, and I, we all played uh, club together, but like we weren't like the best of friends when we played club. But then at, from playing together at Mercier's, yeah. like I know Megan and Marco are best friends. And then me and Misterman became like super close as well. So it's like, like you said, <clears throat> and like I obviously like knew, I didn't know Ben and Derek, but like yeah, I knew 100%. of them. That's why because, it was like, just, like you cool, obviously like, like you know what kids are good kids so like, coming out of Rochester. Demographics and, and, and things like that is, you know, here at Colby is just because it's such a big school uh, or, you know, a, a well-known school um, and, and super high academic is like, dude, we have kids from California and Florida and Chicago uh-huh. and, you know, New England. Like it is, it is way more diverse. So guys don't know each other before coming here. Um, but it, you know, that it's like, that's probably the biggest difference between here and um, you know, the hearse was like, I feel like every, you were an outlier if you came from somewhere that was far away versus like here you know at colby now is like you know a lot of our guys come from far away it's it's, it's pretty interesting 
now like without obviously talking about anything that would like get either of us in trouble my your favorite, favorite uh, eerie story, story. Um, and it doesn't even have to pertain to like, i don't know uh, if, i don't even know if it's a story but it is the cornerstone and i think that like maybe, anyone like, that's tell, been to murphy that in erie pennsylvania would say the same is like that place i don't understand how it's in business um it is so cheap and i thought that like you know living in maine now it was going to be cheap but you know like one of the craziest things was when we went to the ecac championship and like we had the the you know the what's called on there the uh you know finding out who we were going to play like kind of the after party and we went out to eat and you know the the coaching staff had a, a drink or two and we got the bill and it was like single digits it was like stupid cheap and i was like like how we just fed 50 dudes how is this not 600 bucks um and it was just incredible i mean that place was so much fun and honestly really anywhere down on the strip was just like awesome really cool restaurants really fun bars and stuff and you know for for what it is right is and i think this is the beauty of erie is everyone's like oh this place stinks but we have a lot of fun and that i think is it to a t like there's no one place that you're like this is unbelievable the entire thing was just unbelievable Oh, absolutely. And the other thing that, like, I, I don't know if, like, you, like, maybe you caught glimpses of it, but, like, without, like, you not being a student athlete and you not actually being a student at the school was, like, one thing that I always, uh, like, appreciate and, like, made made it the best time of my life was that, like, it, at, like, it didn't matter if you were on a different sports team. Like, we were always hanging out with, like, the hockey guys and then, like, some of the football guys and shit like that. So it was, like, almost in a way, like, like Mike was saying, was that it's, like, when you went out, it wasn't like you went out with oh, your yeah, team and then like I mean oh, like the fact that it was a dollar like, to it get it felt downtown like you were going out with like hundreds of people um, at the same time from the strip was like that was like fascinating. I don't even know why it was just so fascinating to me and <laughs> you know like the fact that guys would be complaining about $5 cover charges was too expensive was was insane. You know good now now right is like living in a city like you know when you were in Denver and you're paying like probably like 25 yeah, bucks to get into like a legit like club and then now, you know, versus the $5 club that you were going down in Erie, Pennsylvania, you're probably like a little bit of a difference. Yeah. And it's, it's funny too, because like when uh, I was in Boston, uh, Elijah came to visit me and we went out for, it was, I don't remember. It was, I don't remember. Mm-hmm. It was for the final four. Like he came up uh, for the final four because the final four was in Boston. It was at uh, Foxborough. And then it just happened to be that Saturday it was the same mm-hmm. Saturday that, the Celtics and Cavs were playing in game seven and it was LeBron's last year on the Cavs. Um, and he went yeah. off in the garden and the minimum drink, it would be like $17 for like a Bud Light. And, and it was funny too, because like uh, there was a place called Coogan's that got shut down, but in uh, the financial district in downtown Boston, they had dollar beers 24 seven. So like, it was funny because there was a couple other, like, there was two girls that played uh, lacrosse at Mercyhurst that came down that weekend as well because they had friends in Boston. So we all just met up and we were all like joking around. And there's a picture I have on my phone of Elijah, like just having like solo cup on solo cup, just stacked <laughs> like to almost like. Yeah, I know. That, and that our was, bill came to like $34. He's like, fuck, that, dude. He goes, again, I feel like we're back in the stone again. I will, uh, that is the one thing I'll say about the stone is it is pretty nuts. I do not know how they are still in business. <laughs> 
No, no, no one does. Now, like getting back to like the lacrosse aspect, since like you, you know, you're a coach and you know you play pro and and you've had experience at all different levels. Um, what do I you mean, think like if you're the just biggest at it as difference a student between athlete, is the D one, the D two, and the D three game? You know, as on the field, right? Is it's everything you see, right? It's the bigger, the faster, the stronger. Um, you know, kind of like the pretty generic and basic things that you're looking at. Um, they're get it like. And the biggest difference between Division One, playing Division One, coaching Division Two, and now coaching Division Three, is number one by far is the amount of um, uh, time and really kind of effort that you're putting in. Right? Is you know we're we're competing and, and working to win a national championship here at Colby, um, but that amount of time or the amount of um, commitment that we have is probably a little bit different than it was at Siena, if that makes sense. Right? Is like you know we have guys come in and watch film, but it's not breaking down, you know, every single step that it was when we were at Siena or watching things 20,000 times over, right? It's, it's just kind of the change in how much you're really doing stuff. But I think that, you know, the amount of commitment is the, the biggest difference. We, everyone's committed. They're still really busy. Um, but that amount that they're working towards lacrosse is just different, if that makes sense. No, yeah, it completely does, because I thought that the workload um, at Mercyhurst was a little bit less than what it was at Hobart. And 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 then on top of it, too, like I, I know you know this from playing at Siena, it was not only is the workload a lot more at the D1 level, it's also a lot more mentally because not only is everyone yeah. working their fucking dick off, but like you could work your fucking face off and yeah. still may not even play. And then the following year they're bringing in and they're bringing well, in more all Americans. So, like, it's just the, like, okay, fuck, when is this going to end? And it could, like, it's just like a roller coaster. In, right? Right? It's like, you want to continue getting better. You don't want to just stop it at whatever level you're at. So like, and as a player, right. It's like, that sucks <laughs> knowing that they're trying to get someone better than you. But exactly. at the same time, you know, mm-hmm. that again, competition breeds success so someone that's better than you is going to make you a better player as well yeah now what are some things from like your perspective that like you um were expecting going in the college i think college, the biggest like, when you were and playing i think Siena, everyone that, would say this um, i that didn't necessarily happen and i like, caught you by surprise a chance to play right away and that just doesn't happen and it usually doesn't happen right is you know the jump from high school to college is huge no matter if you're going to go play club lacrosse versus division one lacrosse uh-huh. right is like you know, you go from being the oldest of four classes to being the youngest of four classes and sometimes five or six, depending on if you're a red shirt or you're a graduate student. Right. So like, you know, you could be an 18 year old playing a 22 year old and that is a huge freaking difference. And you haven't had that difference before of that big of an age. And, you know, when you're in the peak performance and, and top shape of your life, right. is like, it could really, really make a big difference pretty, pretty easily. So I think that was the biggest thing was like actually playing. Um, And then two is like, it's really not anything that I wasn't expecting, but I just, I guess I didn't realize the, how big of an impact it was, but like me going to college, I was the first time I'd been away from my family or just like, you know, my, my friends and stuff. And it was kind of like a culture shock. So the first semester was like kind of rough for me. Honestly, the first year at Siena was kind of rough for me. I just like was, not really always as comfortable as I should have been and really didn't know my place. And, you know, again, it's learning the place of where you as well, right. Is, you know, usually you're probably going to be the best player or one of the better players in your high school. If you're going division one or any level of college lacrosse, right. Is you're probably that one of the better players. 
And now you go to a place where you're the bottom of the totem pole. So it's a really, really hard and different dynamic that you have to find your niche and find your home within that team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Now, like, what would you say, like, um, for like advice for like any mm-hmm. like young like lacrosse players or like high school players that are like trying to get recruited, but like they're not getting the looks that they thought they would? Um, would you like... Cause I know you said that you basically were just like, yeah, I'm coming to Siena. And then like, obviously like um, you had a lot of schools that were recruiting you that were, you know, better than Siena, but maybe the money wasn't there or like, you didn't think that you were good enough to play. So like you decided not to go there, just like, what's your whole perspective on that? And like, what would you say if like a kid's like, Hey coach, like coach Dowd, like I want to eventually get to the mm-hmm. pros, like where you're playing and I want to, be at play at that level even if i don't get to the pros of like d1 like what would your take be on like you know yeah not, not so, like mentoring that kid but like guiding so him in the I'm right way so that it doesn't like ways. fuck one him up mentally that he doesn't think he'll ever get there. a player right because i think it's it's different right is like as a as a coach i would tell you two things number one the biggest thing whether okay, you're getting is and i say this in every recruiting speech i give or talk whatever you want to say is is as much as lacrosse is the biggest thing in the world, you need to crush the classroom, right? Is, is there's never been a school. Yale doesn't cut kids 100%. or tell them that they can't come there because they're not smart enough, right? Yale is, is saying yes to kids because they're smart enough or they are smart. They're not going to turn someone down because they're way too smart to come there, right? So the biggest thing is right off the bat as a coach is the grade stuff. Because you can also, too, what a lot of people don't know, is you can earn a lot of money and probably more money a- academically than you can athletically in lacrosse, right? Is, you know, everyone that talks about a full ride in college lacrosse, they're usually on some type of academic scholarship as much of, if not more so than athletic, um, you know? Yeah. Right. It's like lacrosse, right. A fully funded lacrosse team is 12 or 12.6 scholarships. With grants so and shit too. If you look at too. a roster, you know, probably a, a roster of almost 45 to 50 guys, there's only 12 lacrosse players, less than a quarter of the team is actually on a full scholarship where they're not paying a dime for school. And a lot of schools, a majority of schools, I would probably say, break those up in between probably a majority, 80% of that squad. So there is no such thing as a full scholarship. So the biggest thing as a coach, right, is the classroom stuff. And that's going to open up a ton of doors. Then as a player or like as a, a, a guy that wants to continue playing and things like that is, Keep all the doors open, right? Is, you know, I, when I got a letter from Siena and they said that they were interested is I stayed on top of them because I was like, you know what? Some of these schools might not work out and I might be looking back and be like, oh my gosh, like Siena said they really liked me, but I told them I didn't want to talk to them or I didn't think, I thought I was too good for that, right? Is, you know, you're never too good for a school. Um, let them tell you that rather than you tell them that. <laughs> a lot of people a lot of people do dude it's hard is right it's like it's like your entire life right? i made and, that mistake the clubs the club scene doesn't yeah really i made that mistake as as they should and they're doing a much better job now and a lot of clubs are understanding that i think is you know all these programs are built to tell you how great you are when some of you aren't that great right it's like you know everyone wants to go win a national championships national championship at maryland you know, like of all those kids, there might be three that are good enough, right? So, like, it's, it's again, that humble pie thing that I keep talking about of, like, you know, you have to be fine with not being the best guy, but work yeah. your ass off to be that guy. Or 
recognize, you know, maybe the University of Maryland is not where you want to be, but maybe a school a little bit lower in, you know, the Division One. If you want to go Division One, great. Maybe, you know, check out a Siena, a school in the MAC, a school in the NEC, you know, some of these lower-end Division One schools that you could be the guy rather than try to be on a team that, you know, stretching your dollar, right? Don't stretch your dollar. If you want to be the guy, drop down, right? Go check out some Division Two schools. See what you can get. Look at money offers, right? Is you know sometimes if it's a financial issue, is maybe going Division One's not going to get you the most money. Maybe going Division Two or or crushing, you know, being a super high academic kid is going to make you more money. And then at the end of the day, too, mm-hmm. it's like the most cliche coach, you know, re- recruiting talk thing ever is you have to find a place that you'd be happy if you didn't play that sport, right? Is if I didn't play lacrosse at Siena, I think I would have still loved that place more than anything. Um, and, you know, hopefully that's the same for you and Mercyhurst and, and wherever people end up, right? Is like, you know, you, you didn't finish your career playing lacrosse, but I think you ended your career just as happy not playing lacrosse as it, it, even if you did. Yeah, and call this crazy because I said this to Mike, that mm-hmm. g- g- I was happier oh, I and felt more fulfilled with what college was for me after mm-hmm. I got kicked off the team. And and not not from the aspect of like, okay, I don't got to go through the grind anymore. Mm-hmm. But it was yeah. just like I said, like I had so much fucking fun at that you school found your niche. that it didn't matter that I wasn't playing anymore. Because I found, I, found, uh, I found new friends. I found uh, – and, and – uh, yeah, and I found, like, th- more things to do and, like, stuff like that. And at, at the same time, like, the the thing – I mean, you know. You know how the team was. Like, even though I wasn't playing and I wasn't on the team anymore, mm-hmm. the, it to them it didn't matter. They were just yeah, simply – they looked at it as, I like, think, okay, you're I think not you coming need to practice. To be, you're not coming to lift. You're not coming student, to games. But, like, right, or, you're or, still or, with like, us 24-7. Is, you need to really sit back. And, you know, what I tell people all the time is, you know, the old Venn diagram, right, of, like, the three or the two circles with them merging in the middle. That's good. Right. But you should take the list of your schools and before you write down those schools, Mm -hmm. think of three or four and not more than that. The most important core things that you need at a school, right. Is like, you know, if you're super outdoorsy and you want to go surf, then probably going to Erie, Pennsylvania to go to college is probably not the most important thing to you or the best option, but you know, the Whittier college or, you know, being on the East Coast or down south, like those are better options. Whittle down your list by what you need in your college decision. Mm-hmm. Now, if uh, you know, going off of that, trying man, switching gears I'm a, here a little bit. I'm a, um, I'm in the player pool right you now. Play, I'm, you I'm play, you play, bro. Are you playing next. in the PLL like, next year? Or no, there's a ton of competition. So, like, but, trying. Uh, I think if you talk. Oh yeah, hundred percent. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I. Of course, my best year that I've ever well, had. Well, especially after they pulled the lead in the PLL bubble on a team that we, you know, I thought we should have won the championship, but you know, your 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 boy uh, Frank Brown, and his team pulled out pretty. Uh, they were down what four or five players and still beat us. It was it was pretty nuts, dude. All like five guys left. Yeah, he didn't even actually get to finish. Like he texted me and, uh, while he was still. Yeah, um, it was it was. Pretty he texted nuts. me while but, he was still. But you know, more, yeah. You know, all the credit in the world to those guys, right? Is, I mean, it was great, but you know, it made the player pool um, that yeah. it's ever been. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of talent. There's a lot of guys that should be playing that won't get a sniff. So I'm really hoping I get a chance, um, you know, this year, um, even if just to a training camp. And I think that's kind of where I've shined and, and kind of where I've made people realize that I could probably help a team or hopefully help a team. Right. Is like, you get me to camp. Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty hard worker and, 
I think I got to just put my head down and, you know, do whatever the mm. team needs me to do. So I'm hoping, hopefully, hopefully this, this can change and I uh, find a spot pretty soon, but we'll see. Yeah. Yeah. And like the yeah, other thing is, too, is like, uh, you're not one you're, or two you're spots a face-off on guy. So it's not like you're there are way more than one like or two guys, per, you know, in, in the player pool that are looking for a spot. So, um, a hundred percent now like from the experience you do have like prior to the mll like transitioning to the pll but like while the pll i mean the mll was like the league to play in prior to a pll like what was your pro what was your pro experience like like, like, how like how did you end up getting how because like you didn't get drafted so like um i graduated and it was you know they they have like the the college guys that didn't get drafted right away, you can get picked up any time. And I had gotten picked up like as an extra. So like, it wasn't so much that I got like drafted. It was more so that they were like, Hey, we'll give you a shot. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, that was the, that was like I was talking about before. Right. It's like, I showed up to the train, the uh, session. Cause mm-hmm. I, and I you just made the most they of were the already in the season. I finished, I started with them like midway through their season. Um, but I showed up to the practice. And dude, I got smoked. I don't think I won a single face off. And I was just like, that's where I was not good enough. And I was like super overweight, dude. Like I was like 40 or 50 pounds heavier than I am now. Like super overweight, just like thought that I was like the best thing since sliced bread and just got my ass handed to me. And I was like, I went home and I was like, damn, like I, I kind of wasted an opportunity or, or, you know, I'm never, ever going to play. And uh, this that season ended. I didn't play at all. I drove up every single – this is actually nuts. I was living in Connecticut at my parents' house, and um, I wasn't getting paid to travel. Like, I wasn't on the travel roster. I wasn't dressing for games. So every Friday morning, I would wake up at, like, 10 a.m. or, you know, get on the road at, like, 10 a.m., drive all day to get to Rochester, New York, uh, get in the hotel, sleep in the hotel for a couple hours, and then we would have night practice Friday night. We'd have a morning walkthrough, and then after the walkthrough and we played our game on Saturday night, I would usually get my car and drive back home through the night so I can get to a recruiting event by Sunday morning. So it was like the grind, dude. I have so many tickets from driving through upstate New York that I had to pay, um, just like driving all day, all night. It was brutal, but um, it was so, so, so much fun. It was like the best like thing ever. It was like – it was a pro, but also too like – so like ragtag, just driving in this old car. It was it was a mess. Dude, it was like the definition of that. And the I mean my car was <laughs> like kinda like back in the summer like, days. I was just, just going tournament to tournament so when you're fun. playing club ball. I was just a lacrosse junkie. I got paid to bring around a stick and mess around. Dude, I, I was by far like, I was literally <laughs> I would find out little, where the little, games like a were, little, uh, and I can't even then I would speak, try to uh, book private rat. lessons <laughs> or work a camp close to that area so that I could make enough money to pay for gas to get back home. It was nuts. It was like, it was the best time. Uh, it was so much fun, dude. That's fucking awesome. No, did you ever they, did um no, did you ever get the chance so they to have like, like try a trial process for like, 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 the process? Do they even do tryouts amongst pro players or are they pretty selective? Like, my best year, I think statistically was like my junior year. 
So I had put my name in, but uh-huh. I, I was not going to get a snip for that. Um, you know, it was like more so I put my name in just to see if they would like even recognize it. Honestly, I think. Um, but I was like dead set on playing in the pro. My dad actually started the pro league or helped start the pro league. So the MLL. So like, I was like pretty dead set on like, I want to try this or do this um, for at least a couple of years. Uh huh. No, so, dude, no, I, you know, I played for the Outlaws. This past did you live, like, you played for the, the Outlaws? Running did joke you live in like, Denver no, at all? Just, like, the like when you, factory, were you just and, there? You know, all the running joke with all the, the guys on the, on the, that group, and then also, too, just, like, a lot of guys in the MLOs. You know, they trade me for, like, the washing machine every uh-huh. year. Like, I've been on, this is my sixth season, and I think this is my seventh or eighth pro team. Like, I got, I get passed around. I got more jerseys in my room hanging up from all these different teams than I do years that I've played. Um, which I wouldn't change for anything in the world, but um, it's just, it's always like the running joke. It's always a lot of fun. I've got like, you know, I played on the cannons like more than once, probably, I think two times, um, two separate times. The outlaws is what I ended with. I played for the launch for a year or a game, the Dallas Rattlers twice. Um, it was crazy. That place is a castle and they treat you like a king there. I mean, it was like so. What was it like playing in Jerry's world? Again, lacrosse. I got to travel around the country for free, like playing in unbelievable stadiums and stuff. Going to Mile High to go play against um, the Outlaws when I was with the Rattlers was so cool. I mean, it was just unbelievable, and like it was just like an unbelievable. I mean, it was just so cool. I mean, I'm I'm so grateful and lucky that I've that stadium is fucking massive. Honestly, that I've been able to have a, a long enough career that I've been able to go to all these places. Right is you know, pro look, I mean, if you don't know pro lacrosse, right, is like pro lacrosse doesn't make a lot of money, at least not yet, um, especially in the MLL. Um, but cool thing about the league is that guys play for the love of the game and, and no. like continue <laughs> watching the sport grow. And you know, uh-huh. I definitely don't do it for the paycheck, you know, is, you know, the couple hundred bucks you can make at a recruiting event rather than going and playing. But it's just like so much fun to be, you know, say that you're a pro, get treated like a pro for a weekend, you know get to wear a, a jersey again that means something for a little bit it's just you know that gets me all fired up I, I miss it more than anything that's why I think I love coaching so much is I miss that like pregame rush you know what I mean it's like all the anticipation all that hard work for like 60 minutes of just going as hard as you can I love that And there's nothing like I know, like I was talking about Brooks. Oh my gosh! There's nothing, absolutely nothing, that can bring you back to like the the camaraderie and like the road trips and like just being and being like in a different city with the boys and then like being in a hotel and like all the stupid like you know all the stupid ass like pranks we would It is at the hotel. Messing with Derek Richards, making him. I don't know if you were with us. Oh no, you were with us when we went down to Myrtle Beach or no? Dude, so in Myrtle Beach, we went down, and this is one of the no. I got kicked things. off. Remember, this I got kicked off my favorite uh, the second story. we got back was from uh, James Paul. Crow, because Ben Brooks, uh, Derek Richards were all hanging out by the pool, right? Is Beach. I got to. Uh, I had one of the houses to like watch over. We had three houses, and I had one of them. Dude, we're in the pool, and one of the guys tells Derek to like open his or breathe in through his nose at the bottom of the uh-huh. pool. Something like ridiculous. 
And Derek comes up and starts coughing. And he's like, oh, you're such an ass. Like, making fun, like, being like, what the hell? Why'd you tell me to do that? He's, like, coughing up a lung. He had just, like, swallowed half the pool water because he thought he could breathe under the water. It, it was, like, something so goofy like that. I was like, oh, my God. It was just, like, the dumbest thing ever. But it was so fun being with all those idiots off of the field more than on it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and that's the thing is, like, like you said, like, it's, like, like everyone's, like, an idiot, but in, like, a funny-ass, like, goofy way, and, like... Oh, no. And and that's the thing is, just, like, uh, there was never any, like, no one was actually truly, like, getting shit on. Like, when we would shit on each other, it was all just, like, like, like brothers. Yeah, it's all love and, like, brothers, like, fucking around with each other, because, like, I know, like, I, I talked to Derek a fair amount, and, like, and that's I would the thing, say is that, like, there's dude, probably, if there's, if there's one, guy one guy that, that is, like, ripped on universally loved than anyone... It's the Derek, most, but he I also loves it, it and everyone he knows and and everyone knows that like you rip him apart, but like he's like one of the best guys that you could ever you know have on your side. Yeah, and it's not even from like a chirping perspective yeah, either. Exactly. It's just like all right, like whenever Derek's around, it's always just like all right, you know something funny or fun is about to happen because like that's just the type of guy he is, and then like. You get all of us danger. I won't even say all of us, but like you get like Bang Crow, John Plasky, like a Megan, like all those guys in one room. And then like um, they're all like, you know, going. Yeah, they're all going at each other. And it's and it's it's on. It's fucking hilarious, too, because it's just like and Derek gives it right back. And it's just it's just funny because if there's like yeah. I, in my opinion, just, I mean, if there's one dude that it was like, fun. I love having you're just like around. and you I need to like, have around 24 seven like the 100 percent Derek Richards made those guys so close is what made them so good on the lacrosse field. Oh, no. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. It's never, it's never yeah, about absolutely. that. And the yeah. thing is that's even crazier to me is that, like, no one talked lacrosse when we weren't playing lacrosse. It was never, like – like there was never like oh fuck like I should have got in or I should have done this or like hey like that's, you made us run today or and it was none of that shit it was always just like yeah move on handle our business and let's just important things let's just carry on and again not only about lacrosse like work or job life whatever it is is you got to have an off switch right is you know I always joke around with my boss now here at Colby is um you know every Monday he'll like we'll be on our Zoom calls now but usually in person he'll be like hey what lacrosse games did you watch what lacrosse games did you watch and he'll turn and, you know, I'll usually be like, coach, I was hiking in the mountains or I was surfing or I was on this mountain, you know, snowboarding. Like, like I, I'm, when I'm off, I'm off, man. I'm like, you know, you got to be able to turn your brain off and like enjoy the things that you really enjoy in life, which I think is really important and really hard to do when you're so determined to like succeed and do all this stuff. But, you know, you need a break. You can't just drop, like you can't drain your batteries to zero every single day. A hundred percent. Now, before, yeah. you know, like kind of wrapping all this up, um, you know, being able to try, cause like one thing I love to do is I love to travel and I've been a, a lot of places of, you know, Spain and like Mexico and like just other places like around, like outside the U S and then like in the U S and, and stuff like that. Like there's like a lot of things that, um, 
from my like travels that like have changed like my perspective and, like, um, outlook I mean, on life and shit like that. Is there anything that from like your travels, your travel experiences kind of like shifted your perspective at all? If there is anything, best friend. Well, my best friend from Siena in um, Australia like played a year in Australia um, lacrosse like he went there to play and I went to go travel there for like two weeks um, with his sister who's my age as well and like I just I had never been out of the country I never like really done anything for myself like a big trip like that for myself and it was just one of like the most like liberating things ever like being like and like so humbling of how big this freaking world is and how different this world is is like, we just stepped into this other country, dude, and we were, like, just plopped down for 14 days, and, like, you just had to find your way. Like, I made it a rule that we were allowed to do one touristy thing in each city we hit for, you know, the, the three days that we were there in each city. And after that, you weren't allowed to do any, like, tour added tours or, you know, like, you know, you know uh, food chains or anything like that. You just had to, like, find your way. And it was like one of the coolest and most humbling things ever. You you realize how small one person is in this huge world. Other than that, um, but that that was like, and like that was like really honestly like out of the country. That's the only real serious traveling I've done. Um, Absolutely. But again, you know, oh, without I was a planning doubt, on, I really wanted to go to the Olympics. Um, so that was one thing I was really looking forward to. But you know, COVID messed up that pretty pretty roughly. Um, and then two is uh, you know every year since Australia was three years ago. I've tried to try to go somewhere new, um, a different part of the country, but again, uh-huh. COVID kind of messed that up last year. I'm planning on this year. Um, I was asked to play with um, Italia Lacrosse, like Team Italy, to go to a couple tournaments in Portugal and, and somewhere else. I forget where. Um, so hopefully those trips are able to go through, and I can see that part of the world as mm-hmm. well. Um, and the really cool part about that is that I get to travel and do it with my younger brother, so which I've never played with him before. So I think it's going to be something really really cool and unique that that's never been done but you know other than you know those two places and and really kind of like realizing how small of a person you are is i I would say one is like just like living like in that like even flow and flow state of like being able to adapt and change and it's not only when you're traveling and just like in life period is like you know being able to change everything you're doing or adapt to what is going on around you because we're doing it constantly all the time naturally, but being conscious of it and understanding why and when we need to, or what, what we need to do, I think is so valuable and so important and not something that's not talked about enough. Uh, I completely agree with you because like, that's my thing is like the reason I love to travel so much is like, cause like, I, I think like overall, like I think people are dope and like I love like I love people and I like learning about people. And like on top of it too, it's like you know this, like when you travel like Nine day, dude. people on the people from the East Coast and people from the West Coast are two totally different types of people. It's like it's not even like just from yeah, and it's not even like you can describe like something specific. It's just like everything from top to bottom is just different. Like, I mean, I was only out west for three months, like being in Denver. Um, but like, just like how like pe- the people's lifestyles, how people dress, how people talk, how people like you know carry themselves, and then just like the things that they do, and then like obviously the things that like you know you even, get to explore even and see. It's just like, like it's kind of crazy because it's just like. It's you know, the same country, like, it's still America, like, but, like, it's so vastly like, 
you know, we got here up in Maine and even my head coach who's from, um, he's from Rocks or Geneva, New York. He's like, people are so nice up here and it's literally like three or four hours away from home. And it's like, it's such a different world. And like, there's different interests, right? It's like, you know, you could go surfing, you know, and out, you know, right down the street on at the beach uh, versus having to drive all over the place in Connecticut and find a good beach. Like there's like unbelievable waves. There's unbelievable mountains. There's unbelievable hiking trails, the Katy national park, the highest elevation on the Eastern seaboard, North of Brazil. Like it's just like all these like really crazy things. And you're like, Oh my God, this is four hours away from my house and I've never done it. It's like, it's crazy. It's insane to me. And I think it's so, so cool that like you can experience all these things. I think, I think, you know, living at home and being close to home is really important to me, but also, you know, for the two weeks at a time or being five hours away is like also like one of the most like relaxing and cool things ever. Just exploring something, something or somewhere new by yourself. absolutely like that it's and it's almost like uh yeah i don't want to say it's like at least this is how i feel is that like it's almost in a way of like it's never ending and like you can never get enough because there's almost in a way there's too many things to do that you're not actually able to do everything that you want and explore everything you want so it's like it it constantly is like not not like it's a like a constant motivation to travel but like there is always Dude, something always, new that like, you case, haven't right? discovered like, or haven't seen get, here, which is like where I get off on like the whole like traveling like, is that like oh you God, just like, never know like what you're going to stumble you across. Like, how the hell did you not tell me before I left for two weeks? Like I just missed out on all this stuff. Like, oh my gosh, now I have to go back. You know, it's like, I feel like that always happens. Yeah, that's how I felt like with Denver, like we were there, like once Corona hit the city pretty badly and like, uh, and like we knew we were coming back because our our lease was up April 1st and like everything was shut down, like by Patty's day, the kid I was living with, um, he, him and I were just like, fuck it. Like our just, our routine every day was like, we would wake up, go to work out, grab breakfast, stop at the dispensary and oh, then literally yeah. just fucking go explore and then like as yeah. like you know we kind of were looking shit up we like said amongst each other we're like dude we didn't even scratch the surface of like all the shit you can do in colorado and so it's just like yeah it's, you know it's, we haven't made any plans of like going back or anything again, like that but like, like to your point it's just like go you've done, you we did so much really shit like there and, and it still felt like we didn't back. do anything Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, wrapping things up here, I like to ask everyone this, like I I've done it like the first couple episodes, I've kind of done it. Not really, but now it's like becoming something that like, I just want to ask if you could meet your younger self and at the oldest age you are 18 years old, it could be younger. It doesn't have to be, but the oldest you are when you meet yourself is 18. Um, what based on like everything you've experienced in life and, you know, everything you've experienced up to this point, whether it's, you know, adversity you faced and, you know, roadblocks you've, figured out ways to go around and just like just anything like your life so far like what yeah what, well, are, what, what is, is like something you one of my tell? favorite and it could be ever, a one word thing it could be a sentence you know, like one of, it could be long-winded like it doesn't matter like what would you tell your younger self about so, life? um when i was a junior in college or my junior year um we had one of our seniors when he was a senior so hold on, i'm messing this up <laughs> 
when I was a uh-huh. freshman, there was a kid, Colin Parkers, who was on our lacrosse team at Siena. He was a junior, I believe. So by the time I was a junior, it was his first year coaching. He had graduated and he was coaching at Col- uh, at Siena. And he was a volunteer assistant, basically same thing, probably not making a lot of money. Um, but he was one of my really good friends and like a mentor for me when I was a player. And then he became a coach and he took over coaching faceoffs. And it was me and two other guys. So, you know, we got work in every single day, all this stuff. Colin had never taken a college faceoff. Um, he was the best coach I have ever had. And he was first faceoffs. And he, he just taught me so much about myself that I didn't know. And he did it in such a different way than other people had ever done. Like Colin's favorite thing was that he would film every single face up I took. And like, he'd be like, what did you do wrong here? Even if I did everything right, he would just be like, what did you do wrong here? And it was one, because I don't think he actually knew what I did. Um, two was he made me like look within myself and really like figure out what I was doing um, and, and understand why I did it. And, you know, kind of going off on a tangent there, but he, you know, I would get super frustrated and really not down on myself, but like very, very critical of myself. Chris would always drop the bricks. I was like, what the hell does that mean? Just say, drop the bricks. Like, don't worry about it. Like, like take your stick, throw it down, go walk over to it. And by the time you pick it up, right, that's as long as you're allowed to be mad or disappointed or whatever it is. Once you pick up your stick, you have to forget about it. And then you're on to the next thing. And like, it's like one of those things that I've just like carried around through my entire life now is like, you know, I say it to everyone and anyone that's in the same situation of, you know, as a coach, I did it the other day, right? Is a kid was getting really frustrated. He was shooting poorly. I took his stick. I said, give me your stick. I took his stick and I hucked it maybe five yards. And I said, wait, when you go pick that stick up, after you pick it up, right, you can't be mad, right? You're, you're done with whatever practice restarted. Go pick your stick up and reset it, drop the brick. And like, it's like a whole different person. And I've just like, kind of like really taken at the heart of like, you know, things are not going to go your way, right? Everything's not going to go your way. It's not a perfect picture. There's no, you know, perfect story. Um, So like when things get rough and and crappy is like drop the bricks, right? Take five seconds to yourself. Be like, all right, this really sucks. Like I got to figure out what I got to do. And then after that, just go do it, right? Don't wait around or don't, don't pity and, and have a pity party for yourself go figure out what you need to do and just get it done. And I've taken that to like every extreme. I use it with my brothers, my siblings, the kids I coach, just myself in life. I mean, I think you can really relate it to everything. And and it's kind of been like the center of everything I do is just, you know, when things get rough or you're having a hard time, it's just drop the brick. It's addicting, man. It's like, it's been like, I don't know. I fucking love it. So it's like a motto that I will live (laughs) with for the rest of my life, I think. Yeah, and it and it definitely like takes you like a second or two to like get there and like actually internalize it. But at the same time, it's like you're not like college college Casey Dow exactly. That, like, exactly. You were saying that to yourself. That's, that's like your younger self probably be like, right is like, like you know, no. it's that guy looking in the glass mirror and, and looking right at himself. Twenty years later, you're like, gosh, if I only listened to that. There's so many things that I stressed myself out over when I was you know, 18 years old looking at colleges or 21 years old trying to figure out where my first job was going to be. And in all reality, dude, it's going to work out, right? Is like, you got to take five seconds for yourself, 
say how much it sucks. You don't want to write these job applications, but you're going to find something. You're going to, you're going to work your butt off until you get it. You just need five seconds for yourself. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So, well, I mean, that pretty much, that pretty much wraps everything up here. So like, uh, you know, it, it, it was a minute before we actually oh, talked. So, you know, I definitely wanted to reach out to you and see if this was something you're interested in. So like, I definitely appreciate yeah, so I definitely appreciate uh, you hopping on here and, you know, oh us having gosh. this little chat. No, you'd so, never say that, bro. Uh, next I time I see you, you, beer's on I me 100%. I miss hanging with the crew and seeing everyone. I got to uh, – we, we got to get a rendezvous <laughs> soon. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean – No, I'm in Maine uh, right now. I'm working in Maine. Um, like, I'll probably use are you Connecticut, still in Connecticut um, right now? To, to recruit out of, so – but you doing the real realtor oh, well, stuff, dude? Is I've been looking for a house, so we might have to connect on a different okay, yeah, uh, a different podcast for that one. <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, yeah, of course. So, um, but uh, yeah, no, actually, like I'm going at the end of uh, April. I'm going up to Boston because uh, just going to visit my boys uh, there that I used to live with, and then obviously, like the there's a big UFC fight, Kamaru Usman and uh, Jorge Masvidal um the second fight of that so we're gonna get together to that and then uh i, I mean i went to boston only once last summer because of uh, covid 100%. and shit but this or, summer i'm be going a lot more so we'll definitely man, I'll make, uh i'll, I'll make definitely you, make a stop uh, in maine because before vacation land for a reason uh katie is like it's like two and 15, how uh how close are you to arcadia um it's freaking worth every second of it it's one of the most gorgeous places you've ever been in your life Uh, Acadia, yeah. Yeah, A-C-A-D-I-A. I'm definitely trying to hit up Acadia. Is it Acadia or Arcadia? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah, oh, I'm yeah. definitely trying to that. go there. So, yeah, at some point, we'll definitely link this summer. I'll make it a priority, so. Awesome, man. Thanks for having me. All right, well, I appreciate it, my guy. So, See you later, I'll bro. talk to you later.